The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. It's great to be joining you again online as we come around God's Word together. And this Sunday, I'm really excited to be speaking to you from our passage, John chapter 10, as we continue our I Am God series. Uh, For those of you joining us and you haven't uh, been a part of this series, we're working through the eight I Am statements of Jesus uh, that are found in John's Gospel. We've looked at I Am the Bread of Life. We've looked at I Am the Light of the World. Last week, we talked about I Am the Gate. And this Sunday, uh, it's really exciting that we're coming around this Fourth, I am statement, I am the good shepherd. And uh, this is a, a, a great statement and a great passage for us to be looking at this morning. And again, if you're joining us online and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, well, I want to encourage you, keep visiting us, keep joining us for the services that follow, uh, because this is a great series that will help you come to understand who Jesus really is and maybe help you decide Um, for yourself, the claims of Jesus. And we believe and pray that Jesus is God and that as you explore that, that you too will come to that revelation and want to trust Him and follow Him because He is indeed worth following. Uh, But for those of us who've been on this journey, I believe that what Jesus says here about being the Good Shepherd is a word for us in this season of COVID-19 with all of its uncertainty and anxiety. And and, uh, so I'm really excited Um, to bring this word to you this morning and I trust that it will really minister to you and encourage you. Well, let me pray and we'll jump into our passage. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for Jesus and we thank you for these profound and incredible statements that he made that claim to be divinity, his claim to be divinity. And Lord, I pray that as we explore this passage together today, that you will open our eyes to see Jesus for who he really is, that he is the son of God, that he is God and that he is the savior of the world. Lord, I pray that uh, you would encourage our hearts uh, with this truth that he is our shepherd, even in these uncertain and difficult times. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to communicate your word faithfully and give us ears to hear what your spirit is wanting us to receive this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And as a way of introduction, I want to say to all of us um, that this statement is no different to all of the other statements that Jesus has made. It is equally provocative, it is equally controversial, it is equally divisive because, again, Jesus, I think clearly he is claiming to be God, he's claiming divinity. And as we'll see numerous times in the Gospel of John, that created hostility, tension and conflict. And it's no different today. Uh, It's these claims of Jesus that our culture and our society really find difficult to grapple with and accept And really, at at some point, they need to come to terms with. So let's jump into our passage. Uh, We're going to be focusing on John chapter 10. And really, it's the the bulk of this chapter. But because of its length, I'm not going to read all of it. We're going to be focusing more on verses 11 to 18 and 25 to 30. But if you have your Bibles, I encourage you, um, have it open um, and follow along. Uh, And if you don't, the scriptures will be on the screen so we can read them together. And this is what it says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. 
The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority. Listen to this profound statement. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Speaking of resurrection, this command I received from my Father. And then jumping down further in John 10, the works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Well, before we jump into this text and look at all the things that Jesus is saying here, I want to read you a humorous but interesting story about sheep. It says this, near the village of Jebus in eastern Turkey, at least I think that's how you say it, while shepherds ate their breakfast, true story, one of their sheep jumped off a 45-foot cliff to its death. Then as the stunned shepherds looked on, the rest of the flock followed in all, 1,500 sheep mindlessly stumbled off the cliff. The only good news was that the last 1,000 were cushioned in their fall by the growing woolly pile of those who jumped first. According to the Washington Post, 450 sheep died that day. Funny story, but it just demonstrates how hopeless, how lost, how doomed we are if we're left to our own devices. But how amazing that we're not. God has not left us to stumble through life on our own, to figure it out, to mindlessly follow others, to jump off cliffs to our peril. But He sent Jesus to be our good shepherd. So as background information, let's talk a little bit about what Jesus says here, this statement, good shepherd. The word good here means noble, praiseworthy, and pleasing to God. And this statement of being a good shepherd picks up on a whole bunch of rich Old Testament uh, uh, allegories and allusions and metaphors and prophecies that kind of feed into this statement that Jesus makes here. Throughout the Bible, uh, God's people are referred to as God's flock and God is seen as the shepherd. The most famous example of that is Psalm 23, but other examples can be found in Psalm 78 verse 52, Psalm 100 verse 3, where uh, the Bible talks about the children of Israel being God's flock that He led as a shepherd through the wilderness. And even in the New Testament, the church, God's people, uh, Christians are described as God's flock. The other interesting motif that comes out in the Old Testament is the idea of shepherds being God's leaders, appointed leaders. Uh, in the New Testament too, we see uh, Paul in Acts 20 and uh, Peter in 1 Peter 5 talking to Christian leaders as being shepherds of God's flock. But what's interesting is that in the Old Testament, 
there are many prophetic rebukes and pronouncements of judgment, most notably found in Jeremiah 23 and Ezekiel 34, of these unworthy shepherds, these shepherds, uh, religious leaders, Israel's leaders, who weren't noble, who weren't worthy, who weren't pleasing to God, who were leading the sheep astray, who were not caring for the sheep, who were not going after the wandering sheep, who were fleecing the sheep and using the sheep for their own advantage, and God's pronouncements of judgment because they'd failed in their duties. And within those judgments, there's also this note of hope uh, as, as uh, the prophets prophesied that one day God, because of His love for His flock, would not allow this to continue, but would call forth a noble, worthy, pleasing shepherd, one in the line of David that would come and, and gather God's lost people and would bring them into God's fold and would care for them and protect them and, and nourish them and sustain them and lead them into God's future. This messianic shepherd, this noble, worthy, good shepherd that was to come. So that's kind of in the background of this statement that we need to keep in mind that the, the Jewish leaders and the people of Israel at the time would have known and understood as Jesus, Jesus makes this profound statement. So the first thing I want to do is look at the four things that Jesus says that He does as the good shepherd. And then talk about what we as sheep are meant to do or called to do in response to our Good Shepherd. So let's look at that. The first thing we find in this text, in, in throughout chapter 10, in these verses about the Good Shepherd, is that the Good Shepherd knows his sheep. And that comes up over and over again. And he, here are some examples I am the Good Shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. John 10 14. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. John 10, 27. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. See, the, the image of what's going on here is a, a larger family sheep pen where multiple members of the family had smaller flocks of sheep. And what they would do is each shepherd would go out in the morning and they would call their sheep to themselves uh, with either a whistle or a sound or, or by name and, and would gather their own flocks to themselves as they led them out to pasture. Now, that's kind of a weird concept to us because when we think of sheep and shepherds, this is the image that usually comes to our mind. Um, we, we, we're in Australia and we, we, we are familiar with farmers who have thousands of sheep um, and they're um, massive, massive flocks. But in the time of Jesus, most shepherds didn't own anything like this. It was more like this, where each shepherd had a very, very small flock that he knew individually and intimately and personally. And often um, the shepherds would name their sheep because they had such a close relationship with them and they knew their distinctive, unique elements and attributes. That's the kind of picture the word know in, in John's gospel particularly is not just an intellectual knowledge. It's not just an academic knowledge, but it speaks of an intimate, personal and close knowledge. Now, just to illustrate how profound this is, let me take you back to one of the scriptures we looked at, John 10, 14 to 15. Jesus says this, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Now listen to this bit. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Just stop, pause and think about that for a minute. Jesus is saying here that as the good shepherd, He knows you, He knows me like He knows the Father. And like the Father knows Him. Can we even begin to imagine what that knowledge is like? Wow. 
That's how Jesus knows us as his sheep, like he knows the Father. And we see this beautifully illustrated in John chapter 9, which is the context of this discourse with the religious leaders. And this is the story of the blind man who is part of the sheepfold, if you like, of Judaism. He's lost, he's blind physically, and we go on to hear in the end of John 9 spiritually as well. And Jesus finds him, and Jesus calls out to him, and Jesus heals him and brings him out of Judaism, brings him out of the sheep pen that he was in and brings him into his own flock. Because Jesus knew his story. Jesus knew all about him. Jesus knew all about his brokenness and his hurt and his disappointment and his failure and his whole story. And just like that, I want to tell you, friend, Jesus knows you. Jesus knows your story. He knows your fears, your anxieties, your worries, your concerns, your doubts. He knows your brokenness, your pain. He knows everything there is to know about you, not just intellectually, but intimately and personally. He knows about your hopes and your dreams and your longings for yourself and your family and for those that you love. He, he knows you. He knows you. What an incredible, profound, powerful truth that is. Jesus goes on to say that as the good shepherd, He leads the sheep. He leads the sheep. Here are some verses. John 10, 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Uh, John chapter 10, he call, uh, verse 3 to 4, He calls His own sheep by name and leads them out. While he has brought out all, when He has brought out all His own, He goes on ahead of them, and His sheep follow Him because they know His voice. Uh, a beautiful Old Testament parallel is Psalm 23 that is quite famous and is really, really well known, where we see over and over again that this idea that the shepherd leads his sheep to green pasture, to still waters. He leads them even in the dark valley. He, he leads them everywhere. And this is so incredibly encouraging for us because it says that unlike, again, the Australian shepherds that drive their sheep from behind, that call out and yell out instructions, our shepherd goes before us. Think about that for a minute. There is no danger, there is no circumstance, there is no situation that will affect us before it affects the shepherd. Jesus will never drive us, push us, command us to go where He has not gone first. The shepherd did this in the day to ensure that where He led the sheep was to safety, was always going to be safe. And because He knew the sheep, He knew what they needed, when they needed it, and so He would always go before what an incredibly reassuring truth. And we see this in Hebrews chapter 12, where even in the midst of suffering and persecution and, and pain and, and heartache, the writer to the Hebrews can remind them that, hey, 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 Jesus has gone before you. Jesus will never ask you to do something that He has not already done, that He has not already endured. He has gone before you. And so in your pain, in your discouragement. Hebrews 12 says, look to Jesus. He's the author. He's the perfecter of your faith, and He's gone ahead. And when you consider His suffering and what He has endured and how He has gone before, you will be encouraged to keep following Him too. He leads His sheep. The third thing we're told, and, and very connected to this idea, is that He cares for His sheep. He cares for His sheep. And again, unlike the Australian shepherds who had thousands to care for and often had many people working for them and who had the responsibility of caring for the sheep, in this context, it was the shepherd who cared individually and intimately for the sheep. 
um, the, the historical record shows that what the shepherds would do when they brought the flock back in at night was they would examine each sheep individually to check that they were okay. If they had gotten any wounds or hurt themselves during the day, he would personally bandage them. He would take out the burrs and the thorns from their wool. Um, he would apply any healing balm that needed. And if any of the sheep wandered, he would leave um, the others in the care of the, uh, the gatekeeper and he would go out looking for them and he would bring them back home. Uh, the image that's conveyed here is of a beautiful picture of Jesus the shepherd intimately caring for his sheep. And we see this um, in verses 11 to 13 where Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But the hired hand or the, the caretaker, he, well, he's not the shepherd and he does not, because he doesn't own the sheep. He's just paid to do a job, kind of like what we have in Australia. When, but when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it, but the man runs away because he's the hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. But the good shepherd, he cares deeply and intimately and personally for each of the sheep. What an incredible truth. The last thing uh, I, want, I want to say about this point is that the care of our good shepherd extends to all eternity. And I love this incredible uh, statement in Revelation chapter 7 that says this, Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. Right at the end, Jesus is still our shepherd, not just for here and now but for all eternity. And He will lead them, there's that word, to springs of living water to provide pasture and, and nourishment and sustenance. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And we see again in Psalm 23 that we're told that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The care and the leadership of our Good Shepherd is not just for here and now, friend. It is for all eternity. Jesus will be forever our good shepherd who knows us, who cares for us, and who leads us into the life that he has for us. And if all of that isn't good enough, Jesus goes on and says that he lays down his life for his sheep. And this is kind of the central thought that holds all of these things together. It kind of underpins all of the things that Jesus is saying here. It, it's mentioned about four times in these, in these verses. Just notice this sample. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 10, 11. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. John 10, 15. John 10, 17 also makes allusion to this. But John 10, 18 says this. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Now, just a couple of things I want to say about this because this is really significant. Jesus here is not talking about martyrdom. He's not, not talking about somebody else taking his life. Yes, the Jews and the Romans, the Bible tells us, conspired and put Jesus to death. Absolutely. But what Jesus is making very, very clear here is that no one has taken his life from him. He lays it down. He willingly offers up his life as a sacrifice. And what's profound in this is that Jesus does this, we're told over and over again, for us, for the sheep. And again, the language that this conveys together is not martyrdom, but sacrifice, where the shepherd who goes ahead lays down his life to protect the sheep. 
Now, in the day of Jesus, this would be a very odd thing for a shepherd to do, because if the shepherd was attacked by the wolves and was killed, then that, you would think, would pose greater risk to the sheep, uh, would place the sheep in greater vulnerability and risk of danger. But what Jesus is saying here is so profound that when danger comes against us as God's flock, and if you think about the ultimate danger, the ultimate threat is the very wrath of God, the judgment of God against our sin. Jesus doesn't shrink away, but rather runs towards that and embraces that danger. And through the laying down His life, actually secures our eternal hope, our eternal um, assurance, uh, rather than exposing us to threat or danger by laying down his life he has eliminated the the one thing that actually poses our eternal threat separation from god forever and the beautiful picture we see in the garden of gethsemane where jesus on the night before he was crucified is wrestling with this danger with this wolf if you like that's coming against the flock the wrath of god the cup of god's wrath and he says not my will but yours be done and he willingly graciously, lovingly lays down his life for the sheep. He embraces the danger. He embraces the wrath of God. He absorbs the wrath of God. He drinks the cup to its dregs, as it were, so that you and I can be safe, so that you and I can be brought in to the sheep, uh, the flock of God, and be in his family. This is just such a beautiful thought here. If you're thinking, well, how can we be sure that Jesus will love us and care for us this way? Well, what gives us the assurance is this idea that Jesus says is that we belong to Him. He, he owns us. In, in verse 12 of chapter 10, Jesus says the reason the hired hand or the steward runs away is because He doesn't own the sheep. They don't belong to Him. He's not invested in them. He doesn't care for them because they mean nothing to Him. And then in John chapter 10, verse 3, He calls His own sheep by name, His own sheep. Now, friends, I, I don't know if you've ever felt that situation or that feeling when you're in a crowded room and you just feel like nobody cares, nobody knows you, nobody would miss you if you were gone, that you don't matter, that you have no value and no worth. I don't know if you've wrestled with those things. I know I have from different times. Wrestle with kind of really thinking, does my life really matter? Does my life really count? Does God really know and really see? Well, this great truth in John 10 reminds me that He does because He owns us, He cares for us, He sees us, He knows us. We're not lost in the crowd. He knows us by name. He calls us by name because we belong to Him. We're precious and valuable and deeply loved by Him. In, um, in Scotland, one of the things that shepherds do is they mark their sheep so that everyone knew who belonged, uh, which sheep belonged to which shepherd. And one of the startling examples of this was when one shepherd just painted all his sheep bright pink so that even from a distance, he and everyone else could see which sheep belonged to him. Well, one of the profound things that the Bible tells us is that God loves us so much that He has purchased us and redeemed us and painted us, as it were, with the blood of Jesus so that He knows, we know, spiritual powers and principalities know, everyone can know that we belong to Him. 
Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 18-19. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. No, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And they sang a new song, Revelation 5 says, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God. Listen to that, purchased for God persons from every tribe and language, people and nation. We belong to God. What an incredible promise and assurance that we have that Jesus knows us, that Jesus will lead us, that Jesus cares for us because He's laid down His life to redeem us, to purchase us, to buy us back, to make us His own, and we are worth Him laying down His life for. That's what gives us the assurance. And so into that context, let's look at how we as sheep are meant to respond. Well, the first thing, again, we're told over and over again in this section is that we can know our shepherd. We can know our shepherd. The same word, not intellectually, not theoretically, not academically, but personally and intimately. John 10, 14 says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me, know me. Uh, John 10, 4, his sheep following because they know his voice. They know his voice. See, friends, uh, our God, our shepherd has not left himself without a revelation that w- where we can know him. He, he's not some puzzle that we need to solve. He's not a mystery that we have to figure out. He's not distant and far and removed and we have to wander through the mist trying to figure him out and figure things out. No, the Bible says that in Jesus, God has given us a full revelation of what he is like because he wants us to know him personally, intimately, and individually. And we can we can. See, John 15, Jesus goes on to talk about uh, us abiding in Him and enjoying beautiful, intimate, and close relationship with Him. The reason we can do that is because the Bible tells us that, that every uh, opposition, every restriction, every limitation, every barrier to us knowing God that way has been removed has been removed. In, in Romans 5, Paul says that we now have peace with God. We have access into His grace because we've been reconciled to Him. We were enemies, but we've been reconciled to Him through Jesus. In Ephesians 2, Paul says that we were alienated and separated and far from God, but because of the blood of Christ, through Christ, we've been brought near. We, we have access to God. We are now friends with God. We've been reconciled to God. And so my question to, to you is, do you know this shepherd? Do you know Him? Not intellectually and academically. Do you know His presence? Are you abiding in Him? Are you walking with Him? Do you know His presence? Do you know Him? Because that is what He longs for us to do, to know Him. The second thing Jesus calls us to do is to listen, is to listen to Him. Uh, John ten sixteen. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. My sheep listen to my voice, Jesus says in John 10, 27. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep, they listen to his voice. You see, in our world, there's so many voices that are clamoring for our attention. So many distractions, so many people offering salvation, offering peace, offering hope. So many theories about what life is meant to be like and how we're supposed to live. It's so many voices clamoring for our attention. And Jesus says, I invite you to know me and to listen to my voice, to listen to what I am saying to you. 
it's kind of like, you know, in the old radios, I don't know if uh, many of uh, you younger people would know this, but, you know, in the back in the day when you had old radios, you had to tune in the channel to kind of lock into a frequency. And if you were just a little bit outside of it, you just picked up a whole bunch of static and just white noise. Interestingly, what people now use to help them fall asleep. But what we're meant to do is tune into the channel so we can hear clearly what's being said. And that's what Jesus invites us to. He said, will you tune into my voice? Will you listen to what I'm saying? And the question is, are we spending time with him? Are we spending time in his word? Because Jesus, again, in John 15, links this idea of knowing him and abiding in him with obeying his word, tuning into his voice and being obedient to do what he's telling us to do. And related to that is the third one, is to follow him, to follow him. And can I just say, this is where it gets really, really scary. Because the sheep, they followed their shepherd. Now, I want to say to you that this is not blind faith. This is not just blindly following someone. No, because it comes in the context of knowing Jesus, of knowing the shepherd who knows us, who leads us, who cares for us, who goes before us, who lays down his life for us. It, it's knowing him and, and knowing his voice and knowing the kinds of things that he would say because we're regularly in his word. It's not blindly leaping off a cliff like we heard in that opening illustration, but it is trusting someone who has laid down his life for us. That's why Jesus can say, will you follow me? And so we see, it says, I know them and they follow me, John 10, 27. And here's the, one of the beautiful verses in this chapter. John 10, 4 says this, His sheep follow Him. And here's the because. Because they know His voice. Because they know His voice. See, when you know the shepherd, when you know His voice, it's only then that you can follow. Because you know Him. You know that He cares for you. You know that He leads you. You know that He's going before you and will not lead you into danger. You can follow Him. You can trust Him. You can surrender completely and totally to Him because you know Him. You know the shepherd. I just want to show you something from Psalm 23. Again, we love this psalm. It's often read at funerals. Um, and it's a bit of a shame that it's only read in, at funerals because it has so much to say to us. And listen to this. It says, He guides me along the right paths. And I want you to remember these words, right paths. So the shepherd is leading us in right paths for His namesake, even though I walk through the darkest valley. You see, sometimes we think that when we go through hard times and suffering and hardship and difficulty, that somehow that's not part of God's plan. It's not part of God's way for us. But this psalm tells us that the shepherd's leading us, guiding us along right paths. And sometimes those right paths include dark valleys. And right now, for some of you, that might be what you're experiencing. Or maybe you're going through a season that's outside of COVID-19. Or you've been going through a season where it feels like you're in a dark valley. And I want to encourage you with what the psalm goes on to say that we can continue to follow Jesus even to those dark and scary places because the psalm says that He is with us. He's gone ahead of us and His rod and His staff comforts us. And, and we have this assurance that Jesus, our shepherd, because He cares for us, wants what's best for us because the psalm goes on to say that goodness and, and love and mercy will follow us all the days of my life. This is not just about when you die. It's here and now, all the days of your life. Jesus, the shepherd, still goes ahead of you, still knows what you need, still knows what's good for you, and He's committed to your ultimate good. He knows the pasture that will best suit you. He knows the living water. He knows where you will truly find rest, and He leads. Will you trust Him? Will you follow Him? 
you know, over the years when I, my kids were little, I got them to do some crazy things, some daring things, some things that were outside of their comfort zone, some things that were really scary and difficult for them. But you know the reason that they were willing to do that, to take the risk, to, to obey and to trust because they knew me and they knew that as their father, I wouldn't intentionally do anything to harm or hurt them. And that's what Jesus invites us to, to trust him because we know he's the good shepherd. So as we kind of wrap up, I want to talk to you if you're not yet a follower of Jesus and you've not discovered the Good Shepherd because this passage leads us to some questions that we need to wrestle with ourselves and they center around Jesus' identity and, and focus on this idea of who is Jesus? Who is Jesus and can we really trust His claim to be the Good Shepherd? Can we trust His claim to be God? Well, as the, the story continues, we see that Jesus' words brought great division among the people that he was, he was with. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. There was conflict and tension. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. In other words, he's a lunatic. He's crazy. Why listen to him? Why trust him? Why follow him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Referring to John 9. They're looking at the works that Jesus has done and they're saying, hang on a second, when I think about what Jesus has done, what He's demonstrated, they don't line up with your claim that He's just a demon-possessed madman. And that's the choice that you and I have as well. The decision we need to make, the question we need to answer. When you look at the life of Jesus, when you look at the teachings of Jesus, who do you think He is? Because again, we see that the story goes on to say in John 10, 31 to 33, that again, again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. This is not the first time. And we see why. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. See, that's the claim Jesus is making. He's God. And they were going to stone him. And Jesus says, hang on. Just consider the works I've done. Do they look like the works of a demon-possessed madman or do they look like the works of God? And if they're the works of God, then why are you stoning me? Why would you not choose to listen to me and trust me? And that's the question I want to leave with you. If you're here and you're watching and you're listening and you don't know Jesus, who do you say Jesus is? When you examine His claims and you examine His works, what conclusion do they lead you to? And you know, the Bible says the way Jesus, the shepherd, calls out to his sheep is through the preaching of God's word. It's through the preaching of the gospel. And right now, you're hearing me proclaim the good news of Jesus. And maybe you're sensing the good shepherd calling out to you, calling you by name, calling you and inviting you to trust him, to surrender your life to him, to know that his death on the cross has purchased your redemption, your forgiveness, and can bring you into the flock of God, into the family of God. And if you're sensing and feeling that calling of Jesus, I invite you to get in touch with us, to consider doing our online Alpha course, to email us, reach out to us, because we would love to pray with you, to answer questions you might have, and to explain more fully who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. And so I urge you, I plead with you, as the book of Hebrews says over and over again, today, if you hear the voice of God, don't harden your heart, but respond. Take the next step and consider the claims of Jesus. For those of us who are already part of the flock of God, 
what a great encouragement this is, that Jesus, our good shepherd, he knows us. He knows you. He knows me intimately, personally, deeply, like he knows the Father. And there's nothing that you're going through. There's nothing that you're experiencing. There's nothing that you're feeling. There's nothing that you've done. There's nothing that you've, nothing about your story that the good shepherd doesn't know. And he loves you. In spite of all of that, He's with you. He's leading you. He's in front of you. He goes before you. And He cares deeply, individually, personally for you. He's here to heal you, to love you, to to nourish you, to sustain you, to protect you. And He is committed to do that all the days of your life. And for you to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and enjoy Him for eternity. What a great encouragement. So I encourage you, to get to know this shepherd, grow in your knowledge of Jesus, spend more time with him, spend more time in his word, listening to his voice, aligning your life in obedience to him, bringing your life under submission of the, of the good shepherd and following him wholeheartedly, trusting him with your whole life, your future, your present, your past, surrendering every part of yourself to him because he is the good shepherd who has laid down his life for you to show you how much he loves you and cares for you. Why don't you take a moment to close your eyes and bow your head and then I'll pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word and for this incredibly rich truth that Jesus is our good shepherd. We thank you that you sent Jesus to reveal to us what you're really like and that he's the exact representation of you, our creator and our savior. I thank you, Jesus, that you came and that you walked among us, that you weren't distant and removed, but you drew close to us so that we can know you I thank you that you know us. I thank you that you care for us, that you lead us, that you lay down your life to redeem us and to make us your own. That is who we are, the people of God that belong to you. And I pray, Father, for each person listening to me, that, Lord, in the midst of all that we're going through and all that we're facing and all the uncertainty of our present and our future, Lord, that we would know you that we would listen to your voice, that we would align ourselves with you and your word, that we would abide in you and know the richness of your presence every day of our lives. And Lord, that we would follow you, that we would trust you, that we would surrender ourselves to you because Lord, goodness and mercy will follow us and you go before us. And Lord, we have the assurance that no matter what this life throws at us, that we will be with you forever as the good shepherd cares for us until eternity, until you bring us home. So we pray that as we go into this week, that you would encourage us with these truths and strengthen us with these truths. And for those who don't know you, that Lord, they will respond to your call today and take the next step of coming into the flock of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.